0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. This is the seventh Sunday after Easter. We commonly call it the Sunday after the Ascension. So we have already counted those 40 days from the resurrection until the Ascension, which was last Thursday. And now we're counting those 11 days from the Ascension until Pentecost. This is in some ways very much like Holy Saturday. It's a a longer Holy Saturday, if you will. And that uh, we celebrate um, and recognize the crucifixion. And then we're in this period of of a seeming separation from the Lord. This waiting uh, for the resurrection as we do on Holy Saturday. We're doing something similar, aren't we? Christ has ascended and now we're waiting with the apostles in the upper room again. uh, This time for the Holy Spirit to come forth on Pentecost. And so uh, it's uh, good for us to be reflecting upon and and thinking about uh, that that waiting and that apprehension and what it means to have Christ ascend into heaven and, and what changes at the time of Pentecost. The, the gospel is preparing us for this, preparing us for this uh, radical intimacy that we have uh, with the Father through the Son. Uh, Jesus has been preparing us for this all the way through uh, this long passage that we have in the uh, And the upper room discourses where uh, he's very early in the gospel gone to jerusalem and he celebrated the last supper and then uh, he spent several chapters preparing uh, the apostles for what it is that he's about to do so we've been reading for several weeks now chapters 14 15 16 as he talks about this relationship we've uh, seen him talk about it in this figure eight remember where the father is in the son and the son is in the believer and then the believer is in the son the same way the son is in the father he's done that over and over again and he does it today but he does it today in a a slightly different way where earlier he's been talking to the apostles now he's talking to the father and so this is a a prayer and uh, it's called the high priestly prayer this is what the church has called it the high priestly prayer you'll remember that Jesus is prophet and he is priest and he is king Uh, he's also the sacrifice So sometimes you just have to do everything yourself, right? And this is the case for Christ. He's going to have to do everything himself. He not only is going to be the priest, but he's going to be the sacrifice as well. Because nobody else is worthy. Nobody else is able to do what he needs to do. And he explains that. He explains why it is that he has to do this. Because he's been with the Father since before the creation of the world, right? So he is telling us that he's creator God right? That he's always been with the Father, that he's always manifested the Father, and so only the Creator can recreate. If he was part of creation, if Christ was made, he couldn't remake anything, right? Only creators can create or recreate, and that's what we need. We need to be recreated in God's holy image. We need to be remade for holiness and righteousness. And that's what he is proposing has been done and is going to be done uh, by the Father and the Son working together. And he says that he would bring us into this recreation. He would bring us in in the same way that he is in the Father, and that is by being uh, humble, uh, by submitting to the Father's authority, and then by doing good, right, by glor- glorifying and he he says something also very radical here he says that we will be one the same way that the father and the son are one this is why it's so important for us or one of the reasons why it's so important for us to meet together you know Uh, the church is not a club it's not a society uh, we're not a, a social organization we're a body And uh, our oneness is explained by Jesus to be the same kind of oneness that the Father and the Son have. So if we are going to be in the Son, if we're going to be in Christ, if we're going to be in the Father, then you and I need to be one. We need to be submitting to one another. The only way to do that is in fellowship. We have to know one another. We have to pray for one another. We have to submit to one another. uh, We have to be obedient to one another. We have to be praying for one another. We have to have a a kind of oneness that's radical, uh, indeed radical. And this is what Christ is praying for, that we be one, and the same way that the Father and the Son are one, and of course, uh, that is clarified by uh, being obedient, right? Submitting in righteousness. And this desire to be one with us is uh, explained to us uh, all the way through scriptures. It's not a new thing. Ezekiel talks about it in this passage. You remember that the prophet Ezekiel is a uh, a peer with the prophet Daniel, right? This is the 6th century. This is when the, the nation of Judah is being taken into captivity. They've been taken into Babylon. So here the people of God are shocked, right? because they are the people of God, because God has given them the promised land, He's made all these promises, and now they're saying, wait a minute, we're supposed to be God's people, and now the Babylonians are being allowed uh, to take us, and we're being taken into this horrible place, and and Ezekiel is is, uh, proclaiming, Uh, the the voice of God to say that he's going to bring us back, right? He's going to bring the nation uh, back into oneness with him and that he's going to reveal his face again to them and he's going to pour his spirit out. Uh, This gets done over and over again, right? He does it when he takes them back to Jerusalem but we know that we're not getting a geography lesson here, right? It's not that God wants us to live in a certain city at a certain place. It's that he wants us to dwell with him. He wants us to live with him, right? He wants us to see his face and he wants us to have his holy spirit Uh, god's plan has never changed right his plan has never changed he planted us in the garden of eden in paradise and that's exactly where we're going to be there's no plan b right He wants to dwell with us in paradise. He wants to be with us in the kingdom of heaven. And so he's doing everything that he needs to do to bring us back into that place of paradise. What is it that we're doing in paradise? We're seeing God face to face and we are filled with his own spirit. And Ezekiel says nothing is going to come between us and him. We're gonna experience that oneness and we are gonna participate in his righteousness. Uh, That is God's plan for us. And St. Peter tells us how it is that we're gonna do that. And one way in which we do that is uh, that we expect difficult times. See, the Jews and and Judea were surprised, right? All except for a couple of them, (laughs) right? Uh, Isaiah wasn't surprised Ezekiel wasn't surprised but a lot of them were were surprised that the Babylonians came St. Peter says you don't get to be surprised right this is one of my favorite lines in scripture right he says you are supposed to be expecting trials that's the expectation and he's really clear about this it's really a lot of fun right Uh, we're going to suffer no matter what isn't that great I can't believe there aren't more people crowding in to hear this this wonderful promise, right? You're going to suffer no matter what. You're going to suffer for doing good, right? Don't be surprised when you do what's right and people persecute you for it because they persecuted our Lord and we're one with Him, so we should expect the same treatment. And don't be surprised when you do wrong. So whether you do what you're supposed to do or... What you're not supposed to do, you're going to suffer, right? And St. Peter says, as long as you're going to suffer, you better suffer for doing what's right. Don't suffer for doing what's wrong because you're now separated from God. So not only are you suffering, but you're separated from the Father. Better to have His glory, to have His grace, to have His presence with you while you go through these temptations and trials. And if you're like me, it's hard to read that. It's hard to read about tests or trials, right? Because uh, I was never really into tests, right? I was a good solid B student. I'd take the test because I had to, but it was no great thrill ride for me, right? I figured, I know enough. I'll be okay. I'll, you know, I'll be able to get by. There were some people that I knew that liked taking tests because they had learned everything they were supposed to learn. They knew what they were supposed to know, and they wanted to show that they knew it. And if there was something they didn't know, they wanted to know that too, right? They wanted to know, what is it that I don't know? And this is the way we're supposed to face the tests of this life, right? We're supposed to say, what is it I don't know? What is it that that needs to be fixed? What is it that I need to change, right? we test lots of things. We test new airplanes, right? We like airplanes to be tested, don't we? We don't want the first time it's tried to be when we're in it, right? We like test pilots to go up and say, oh, this needs to be changed, right? We like our cars to be tested. We like to know that they've been road tested, that they've been proven, that they've been improved, right? Uh, We like uh, recipes to be tested, right? So we like testing, and we too want to be tested. We want to be shown and proved so that we're able to, to make changes to our life so that we're ready for those trials and temptations because we're not going to be surprised and we're not going to be left ill-prepared. We're going to be ready for the difficulties of this life. We're going to be ready for whatever comes our way because we've been praying, we've been reading scripture, we've been joining together, we've been one, submitting to each other in the Lord. Uh, We've been preparing to do good, which is what St. Peter tells us to do, right? Uh, So we're actually doing these things. And this is what Jesus means when he says uh, that they will know you, right? Sometimes we think knowledge is like a passing acquaintance. Oh yeah, I know that guy. This is not the kind of knowing that God is talking about, right? It's not that we know His address or His phone number or how to get there. This is the kind of knowing that only comes through experience, right? I could say I know how to shoot a three-pointer, right? You stand behind the three-point line and you throw the ball up and put it in the basket, right? What's the difference between that and Steph Curry, right? He knows how to shoot a three-pointer. He does it all the time. He can do it in his sleep. I've seen him do it with his eyes closed. I've seen him do it from the backcourt. I've seen him do it from sitting down on the ground. This is a dude that knows how to shoot a three-pointer, right? What's the difference? Somebody who thinks about it and can tell you about it and somebody who has done it. This is the kind of knowing that we have with the Father. It is an intimate obedience in His will. It's an intimate practice of doing what He has us to do. And make no mistake, it's practice. It's trials. It's over and over and over again. So we've got these 11 days To really get ready for our celebration of the Holy Spirit, because we're not the kinds of Christians, we're not the kind of people that think that at Pentecost, all of a sudden, God is just going to treat us like a puppet, you know, and he's going to put us on his hand and make us do and say what he wants us to do. We're the kind of Christians that know that we've got to be prepared, that we've got to be ready, that we've got to be practicing the good works that the Lord has for us to do. Right? That we're ready for these trials. We know that they're coming. We know that difficult times are ahead of us. We know what it takes for us to be ready for them. We know that we have to be practicing to do good. We know that we have to be one with the Father and with the Son. And we know that we have to be one with each other. We are not alone. Hmm? Ezekiel wasn't alone. Daniel in the lion's den. He wasn't alone. Isaiah, Jeremiah in the pit, not alone. Moses in the wilderness, not alone. Those apostles in the upper room, they had no idea how not alone they were. In about two minutes, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them and they'll be joined by thousands who hear God's name proclaimed. We are not alone. He is with us every step of the way and he's ready to test us and try us and to make us new. Thanks be to God. Amen.